If you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of John chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 6. We've been doing a series called Destinations, and that's been the course of the summer. We've been going to different locations throughout the Holy Lands, and we've run out of space on our suitcase for stickers. So this is the end of it. This is the end. And uh, I got to tell you, I've really enjoyed it. I have enjoyed seeing us travel to some of these places like uh, Caesarea Philippi or the Garden of Eden or travel to the land of Canaan. I remember we, we went and saw the bright light of Damascus and we saw the dark magic witchcraft of Ephesus. And we climbed onto Mount Horeb and we set sail towards, I guess we ended up in the belly of a fish towards Nineveh. And here we are now and we're continuing our series. And, and it dawned on me as we were going through this that really there could be another title for this series. Not destinations, but decisions. And the reason is because every place we've gone, we've been confronted with a choice that we've had to make. Some decision, something that we've had to choose to do or not do. You may remember some of these. We had to think about the decision to draw near to God. Or the decision to make a major life change. The decision to repent. The decision to face our own darkness. And even the decision to embrace God's kindness towards others. And I got to tell you that today is going to be very similar. We are going to be faced with another great destination. And also another set of decisions to be made. So today we're going to travel, and the place we're going to travel to is Capernaum. Capernaum. Now, when I say Capernaum, I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe nothing. And that would be probably pretty normal, because this town is kind of a little nothing on the map. If you were to look at the Holy Land map up here, you can see at the very top of the Sea of Galilee, we got a little star up there. That is Capernaum. And Capernaum sits right here on the Sea of Galilee to the north. Um, just this very small village. And in fact, if, if I would, could give you some perspective here, you see that town that says Bethsaida. That's only five miles distance between those two towns. So that's how small this area is. I, I know perhaps you're like me. When you look at these uh, Bible stories, you think large distance perhaps. These are right real close to one another, just five miles apart. Now, if you take a look at, uh, there's a, here's a satellite photo of current uh, Capernaum, it's only 13 acres large. 13 acres. To, to put that in perspective, that's how much space Sunset is on this side of 34th. So Sunset and, and the parking lot and the well and the Family Life Center, these are all about, it's about 13 acres, almost exactly. It's pretty cool, actually, that they matched up. Uh, the other thing is this. This town had about 1,500 people. That's just a little bit more than our assembly um, can hold. And so you get a sense here for the amount of people that we're talking about in this town and the amount of space. And so it's kind of strange, I guess, that such a little town would be filled with so many big decisions. But as we go through Scripture, we're going to see a lot of major decisions were made in Capernaum. For example, this is the place that Peter, Andrew, James, and John we're called to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, come and I'll make you fishers of men. This is the place. This is the place where Matthew or Levi left the tax collector booth. This is the location 
of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the location of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gave them the opportunity to make the decision to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then this is the place of story after story after story of decisions that were made, like the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, or the story of the centurion who, um, who had a sick servant, or we have other stories, for instance, the story of the paralytic who was brought in through the roof. All of these stories revolve around decisions that people had to make in this small town of Capernaum. And you think, well, that's crazy. Here, I'll add one more piece to this that's kind of crazy. Did you know that this town is mentioned more than Rome in the Bible? It's mentioned more than Rome. So you may be thinking about your, to yourself, why did so many big events filled with so many major decisions happen right here in this small town of Capernaum? And I think the answer would be really easy if we could all fly over there right now and walk around and see, because here's the sign you would see all over the place. The sign you would see all over in Capernaum posted across town, there'd be no doubt as you walked around as a traveler, you'd realize that Capernaum has come to be known as the town of Jesus. Capernaum is the town of Jesus. If Jesus had a hometown, this would be it. In fact, you can read through Scripture. It's easy to pass over these passages, but they're so fascinating. Look at Matthew 4.13. It says, leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. Or here's another one. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Well, this is his home. And of course, if this is Jesus' home, then a lot of Jesus' ministry is taking place here. So it's not wonder that we have so many Bible stories about Capernaum. And it's no wonder so many big faith decisions were made there. You see, when one comes into contact with Jesus, it always results in a decision that has to be made. When one comes into contact with Jesus, it always results in a decision that has to be made. I mean, you see that in these stories. When Peter, James, and John, and Andrew run into Jesus, they have to make a decision. Are we going to follow him or are we not? When Matthew, the tax collector, meets Jesus, he has to make a decision. When they're hearing the Sermon on the Mount, they have to make a decision. And oftentimes that decision is this one, leave or follow. Am I going to leave Jesus Or am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to leave the things that he's saying and the teachings that he's telling me? Or am I going to choose to follow him? We're always left with that choice. For this reason, Capernaum becomes a decision point to abandon or adhere to Jesus' teachings. It's a decision point. When we're reading through the Bible and we see Capernaum, if you see a story, it's going to be for somebody a decision point because they just met Jesus and they're going to have to make a decision. Now, I got to tell you, we know this. We know this. Every time we pick up the Bible and we begin to read through the Bible, we see that Capernaum becomes a decision point for us. How many of us in this room have been to Capernaum, not 
perhaps physically, but spiritually. As we've opened up scripture, we've been right there making the same decisions as the people in the passages that we're reading about. For instance, did you ever hear the call to Peter to follow him and you took that personal and had to make a decision? Then you've been to Capernaum. Did you ever sit with Levi, hear Levi's message from Christ that you're to pick up and come and follow Jesus and you, had, you decided I'm going to make a major life decision as well. Maybe I'm going to change careers for Jesus or maybe I'm going to move for Jesus or maybe I'm going to do something that needs to be done because I've got to make a change in my life. Have you ever opened up the Bible and the Sermon on the Mount, that sermon preached in Capernaum and heard Jesus say, seek ye first the Lord's kingdom and righteousness and you thought, That's a decision I've got to make for me. Or even maybe you've heard some of the stories of the broken people who came to Jesus and responded in faith. And you said, you know what, in faith, I'm going to be just like them and I'm going to follow Jesus. Here's my point. Most of us here have been to Capernaum. Most of us here have been to Capernaum. Most of us here came to a place in our lives where we opened up scripture and we read the passages of Jesus and we were forced to make a decision and we said, I'll follow you, Jesus. Most of us here. But here's the thing I didn't realize, I think, as a kid. that kind of was a shocker for me. You know, I thought growing up that what happens is, as you read scripture, you open it up, you learn it, and Jesus confronts you with the choice, are you going to follow me or are you not? And you do it, and it's kind of one and done. Boy, was I shocked when I learned the truth. What I didn't realize is that at Capernaum, individuals are constantly and repeatedly being given opportunities to leave or follow Jesus. I want you to think about Peter. How many times is Peter interacting with Jesus where he's presented with a choice to follow or leave? You see, as Jesus preaches and proclaims messages, those messages will grow increasingly challenging. And they create scenarios where individuals, as they grow in their faith, are given the opportunity over and over again to to choose. Will I leave or will I follow? Because of the radical nature of Jesus' teachings, those decisions are continual and challenging. They are continual and challenging throughout our lifetime. And we have seen this to be the case in our life. Have we not? As we grow in our walk with God, as we open up Scripture, there is no end to the opportunities to either leave Jesus or follow Jesus. Isn't that true? The more we grow in our faith, the opportunities to either leave Jesus or follow Jesus never cease. Every time I pick up the book, I have a choice. Am I going to leave Jesus or am I going to follow Jesus? And suddenly I realize the truth. It's possible, and this is kind of scary to me, it's possible that eventually some who first chose to follow Jesus will later choose to leave him. Isn't that true? 
Some people who first chose to follow Jesus will later choose to leave him. And we've seen that happen. We've seen people who once chose to follow Jesus later choose to leave Jesus. And that's what happens in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me in John chapter 6. We're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture where individuals are given the option, once again, are you going to choose Jesus' teachings? Are you going to choose Jesus? Are you going to choose to leave Jesus? What will you do? I want to tell you, for many people, this was their last Capernaum experience with Jesus. Isn't it sad that they would come all this way and walk away from Jesus in that moment? Now, to give you the context of the story, this is the story. It begins with the feeding of the 5,000. We have the story here. These people come. They want to listen to Jesus. And as they're there, they're hungry. And so Jesus takes just a few loaves and a few fish, and he begins to feed 5,000 people with it. After he does, the crowd begins to rally and think, you know what, we want to make Jesus king by force. And Jesus realizes this, and so Jesus goes away. The next morning when they wake up, they realize Jesus and the apostles are not there. And so they start looking for him, and they find him, and you'll never guess where they find him. Capernaum. Capernaum. So they go looking for him, and they say, Jesus, we've been looking for you. And he says, well, you've been looking for me not because of the right reasons, but because of the fact that you are hungry. You want to be fed. And Jesus will then say, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Let's continue to read in our passage of Scripture together in verse 53. Very truly, I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them in the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, and you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? That's kind of an understatement. This is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Let me tell you how hard of a statement that was. It was so hard that in the Roman times, the Romans felt justified in persecuting Christians because they believed Christians were cannibals. So much so that they actually, there were, there were investigators who went in to see if this was the case. And there was a guy named Pliny the Younger who went in to investigate, are Christians cannibals? And he came out and he said, let me tell you, they eat the same food as normal people do. Okay? So this was an accusation. Now, where did they get the accusation from? Well, passages of Scripture like this. That Jesus said, hey... If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. The apostles are saying, this is a hard teaching. It is a hard teaching. I'll tell you another reason it's a hard teaching. Even today, it's a hard teaching. I bet if I did a survey of the auditorium and asked, what's this about? You know what people would say? It's the Lord's Supper. It's about cracker and grape juice. That's what it's about. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. 
What is it about? So we have this challenge. You know, it's not about cannibalism, and it's not about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper hasn't even been instituted yet. It won't be instituted for a while. So what's the passage about? Well, here, here it is in a nutshell, and Jesus is going to say this. Jesus is going to say, look, when you come to me, you, may, you must begin by consuming me, by swallowing my teaching, by devouring my words, by working up an appetite and feasting on the Christ truce, letting them sustain you and change you. You put Jesus deep inside of you and you let him flow out from within. The question is, are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for Jesus? His words are food. They're life. They're good for nourishment and for the soul. They promote spiritual growth. But here's the thing. The crowd does not hear that. They don't hear that. Verse 60, look at it again. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that the disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I want you to see the words highlighted that are interesting here. There's the word hard. Who can accept it? Grumbling and offend. That word offend there is an interesting word in the Greek. Uh, the word, I'm going to pronounce it like a West Texan, okay? But the word is scandalizo, or scandalizo. Okay, this, this idea, we, this is the word that we, got, we get the idea of scandalous from. Scandalous. Jesus is saying, I have something, and it's, it's scandalous. He said, you guys see this as scandalous. That word can be stumbling block. But if you look at the root, it literally means to slam up against something. As if they are just slamming up against the teachings of Jesus. As he's talking to them, they're hitting the wall of Jesus' message, and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. It has become offensive and overwhelming to them. And it builds up to this kind of pinnacle moment that is so sad. Ironically, it's John 6, 6, 6. John chapter 6, verse 66, here's what it says. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From that time on, his disciples quit following him. You see, oftentimes, those who left Jesus, found his teachings offensive and overwhelming. And as they hear his message and it's offensive to them, you know what they do? They walk away. They say, we can't do this anymore. We're leaving. I know you know this, but I'll say it anyway. You know Jesus' teachings are still very, very offensive. And they're still quite overwhelming. We could just choose a few. I could go in and pick some randomly. Obviously, I didn't for this, but we could. And just see how offensive and overwhelming Jesus' sermon, Jesus' teachings are. For instance, here's one. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, that's offensive. That's ridiculous. How are you supposed to do that? That's offensive. 
Or perhaps it's overwhelming. I can't do that. I can't swallow that teaching. That's too hard. Here's another one. Don't fear those who kill the body and can't kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, that's offensive. You're condemning people to hell. That's overwhelming. Who can live up to that standard? Do you see how the words of Jesus are hard to swallow? Here's another one. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in, her heart, in, in, in his heart for her. Well, that's offensive. That's just normal. Like, this is life. We just live and we exist, and that's just normal. Or it's overwhelming. Jesus, are you telling me I have to control my every thought? How about this one? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's offensive. That's a whole group of people you're saying won't, you know, it's going to be hard for them to get to heaven? Is that what you're saying? Or it's overwhelming. We live in the richest country in the history of the world. How are we supposed to manage that or deal with that? Here's one. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Well, Jesus, that's offensive. Love is love. That's offensive. Just let, you know, whoever wants to get married should be able to get married. Or it's overwhelming. Jesus, are you saying we have to commit to our marriages? Here's another one from Jesus. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, that's offensive. That's a, that contradicts good, common, psychological sense. Or it's overwhelming. You're telling me that I have to have so much love for you that it looks like hatred towards others? And what happens when these teachings are too hard to swallow? Here's what happens. People walk away. People walk away. And I could just ask the question, how many times in your life have you seen people confronted with the teachings of Jesus just walk away? We ask why. Why did they walk away? Why did my brothers and sisters in Christ walk away? Because it was offensive or overwhelming. So here we are today. Have you ever felt alone? <laughs> Have you ever felt alone at Capernaum? Maybe you're standing there. You feel like there's a lot of people you used to know and love who've come and gone. They're gone. They eventually left. Jesus and here you are, and you're hearing the teachings of Jesus, and you see them, and sometimes they are very difficult to swallow. Because I think that's an important part of the story. You realize even the apostles are going, this is difficult to swallow. And so in all honesty and humility, you're standing there, and you're thinking, what do I do? What do I do? And it's at this point that Jesus asks a question. He turns to Peter and he asks this, you don't want to leave also, do you? Are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? I know what I just said was offensive and overwhelming to you. Are you going to leave too? Everyone else is going. Everyone else is leaving. What are you going to do? 
And Peter at that moment, I believe he says the most honest statement in Scripture from a person outside of God. Here's what he says. Listen to this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, who, you have the words of eternal life. Here's what Peter says. Where would we go? Where else would we go? Where, we, where would we go? Are we going to go back to the nets? Like we can't go back to the nets. We can't just go back to normal life. We've left everything to follow you. Where else would we go? I think to myself, you know, sometimes I find myself in Capernaum. Sometimes I find myself in Capernaum facing offensive and overwhelming biblical truth. Sometimes I think we find ourselves reading the Bible and it doesn't make sense and it can be frustrating and offensive and overwhelming and we're left with the question, what do we do? What do we do? And I want you to hear the voice of Jesus ringing in your ears. Are you going to leave too? Everybody else is leaving. Are you going to leave too? But I want you to know this, regardless of how we find his teachings, in all truthfulness, where else would we go? Where else would we go? There is nothing and no one like Jesus Christ. So Peter says it, I'm going nowhere but with you. I'm with you. I'm sticking with you. I'm by your side. I'm not leaving you. And can I tell you what I think that's called? Hungering and thirsting for Jesus. I think when Peter says, I've got nowhere to go but with you. I don't understand that hungering for you stuff, but I got nowhere to go but with you. I'm not leaving you. He's doing exactly what Jesus is telling him to do. To hunger for Christ. Now, I got to tell you, I wish Peter could look forward in the Bible. I wish he had the Bible that we have. Because if he did, I think he would see that in the end, Jesus will prove himself true. In the end, this is not just, you know what, there's nowhere else to go. I'm just going to follow Jesus. But it's, a, it, it's confidence in something that's going to play out. In the end, Jesus is the one who will sustain and nourish and help him grow. And Peter will remain and follow Jesus. Let's wrap this up. We've been on a journey. We've gone all over the Holy Lands. We've seen some cool stuff. And now we're here in Capernaum. And in Capernaum, as we've taken that journey this, to that place, we find ourselves in a place where hard decisions have to be made. As we read through Scripture through the rest of our lives, consistently and constantly, we're going to be confronted with truths, and sometimes they may not even make sense to us. Sometimes they may be offensive, and sometimes they may be overwhelming. And we're going to have to decide what we believe. And it's in those times that it doesn't make sense or it doesn't click. I want you to ask this question of yourself. Are you going to go too? And I hope you will hear the words of Peter, where else could I go but to the Lord? 
Today's your opportunity to come forward. You're going to have an opportunity either up here at the front or in your heart or your mind to come forward and to dedicate yourself to Jesus once again, just like you do every single time you're in the presence of Jesus, where you have to decide, I'm going to follow him or going to leave him. I want to encourage you today, whether that be coming forward at this time while we stand and sing, or whether that be in your heart and your mind, that you approach Jesus and you say, where else would I go but to the Lord? Let's stand together as we stand and sing.